please join me in the prayer of illumination. Glorious Lord Jesus, we bow before your majesty and acknowledge your rule. Extend your mighty scepter from Zion and rule over us now by the authority and the power of your word. Use the scriptures accompanied by your spirit to make us more and more willing to fight the good fight of faith, to put on the shining armor of holiness, and to please you with our loyal service. We ask it in your name. Amen. The first reading is taken from Psalm 110, which can be found on page 613, as referenced by uh, Reverend Steger. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the womb, morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament lesson will be taken from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you'd like to turn there. It's on page 1197 in your pew Bible, 1197. We'll be reading chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 8. Paul writes to Timothy, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. With great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so this morning we will continue our series in the Apostles' Creed. Jumping backwards a bit, as last week we jumped forward to speak about the Holy Spirit for Pentecost, today we will go back to this phrase, from thence 
talking about Christ being seated at the right hand of God. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Modern translations of the creed, of course, will say something like to judge the living and the dead. And our passage from 2 Timothy takes place in the context of the Apostle Paul telling Timothy about teaching scripture. You may recognize the verse just before where he goes on and says that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for, for teaching and rebuking and all of correction and all those things. And so here we find our passage where we get this phrase from the creed, right? That Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. And so in verse 1, the Apostle Paul starts. He says, hey, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ, who is seated now at the right hand of God, this Christ who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, where he sits at the right hand of God, just like we also talked about in our psalm today, there's some things you need to be doing. And the first thing he tells the young pastor is that he must be preaching the word. He says, in all seasons, with great patience, with careful instruction, share this word. Give this word to others. For the time is coming when people will not hear it. The time is coming when people just won't hear the truth anymore. They won't put up with Jesus. In a way, if we're talking about the kingdom of God, and and in Psalm 110 about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God and being willing soldiers then what he's saying here is there's going to become a time when people are in rebellion to Jesus. They will rebel against the kingdom of the Lord. And in doing so, will surround themselves with people who say the things they want to hear. Who tell them that what they're doing is a good thing. And now I don't need to go into the current political climate. I don't need to go into the current, uh, you know, modern structure of what people believe or will take as truth for all of us to know that this applies to us here today. The world will turn their ears away from the truth, he says in verse 4. And they will begin to worship myths, idols, or whatever else they may find that suits them. But in verse 5, he tells Timothy, but you, you need to do the work. Regardless of what may happen, regardless of people turning their ears, regardless of people turning to myths, do the work. He says, and I really like the way it translates, it says, keep your head in all situations. Another way you could translate is be sober-minded in all things. Be clear and endure hardships. And now we know this letter is to Timothy, who's a young pastor, But this does not make us exempt, for those of us in this room who are not pastors, this does not make us exempt from this list. You know, we have talked about a lot of these things on this list, but the one he says here I want to challenge us with as we consider the judgment of Jesus. And he says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Why does he focus on that? Well, the Apostle Paul, as he writes in the last couple of verses, he's almost done. He's almost done. He says he is being poured out like a drink offering, given over to God in sacrifice. He is going to give himself over to the judgment of God. He knows his ministry is coming to an end, and he says that this righteous judge will bring him, what? A reward. 
That the Apostle Paul does this willingly because he knows there is a reward coming. And we believe, church, when we say that we believe Jesus will return to judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead, however we phrase it, we believe that this Jesus will, from the right hand of God where he now sits, judge us all, don't we? When we say this in the creed, this is what we're saying. And I want to just go over briefly to clarify something. Because when we think of judgment, we often only think of negative, right? (laughs) Judgment, don't judge other people. Well, okay, you and I maybe shouldn't judge one another, but, but there are those who we've deemed this is okay. What is a judge? You know, in modern times, in democratic societies, a judge is someone who has been given the right to judge. And that a judge not only can bring sentencing that may be bad, maybe a death sentence or maybe a prison sentence, but a judge can also look at things and say, what? You're free to go. <laughs> See, a judge is not the negative thing we sometimes always go to right away. A real judge, a professional judge, if you will, can also bring freedom. I want to share a story with you. Um, And I, I hesitate to do this as a youth pastor. I ask also that you do not refrain from sending your kids to youth group after hearing this. Um, has anyone in this room ever been before a judge and in trouble? I would hope that not many, but some of you may have been. Some of you may have been before a judge at one time and had to put on your nicest clothes so that you don't look like a deviant. Um, I confess that uh, this has happened to me. And I wasn't a, a young man sort of got in trouble for stealing a candy bar. I was an adult. I was fully aware of my decisions. And in college, I did something that I thought would be really, really cool and harmless. But it turns out that the local police and fire department did not feel the same way. Um, I'll spare you all of the details, but it sort of ended, um, or it involved um, a big open area, an old sofa, a lot of fireworks, and some lighter fluid. And, And details aside, me and my friends thought this was a good idea. And yet, we ended up getting caught. We ended up getting in trouble. We ended up being all the things that come with it. And I remember thinking, I was 20 years old, standing before a judge, and just being terrified of what would happen. And now I will say that going to prison or something was not an option in this situation. I wasn't in that much trouble in hindsight. But at the time, I, I thought my world might end. And what if this is something that goes on my permanent record? What if I get kicked out of school? What if I have to go back to manual labor? You know, I don't want to cut grass anymore. Not that there's anything wrong with cutting grass, but... And so here's what happened. After reviewing the details, the judge asked me to stand. So he's up on... It's kind of like this, just not quite so high up, right? He's up on his bench, and he's sitting there looking over the details and asked the police officer a few questions, asked me to stand, and he says... "Um, you did what again? And so I explained. And he said, and, 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 and you go to that Christian college where all the smart kids are supposed to go to, right? <laughs> he said, I thought they were smart over there. I said, yes, sir, they're supposed to be smart. <laughs> and he said, do me a favor. Will you promise to be smart from here on out and never upset the local police and fire department again? I said, yes, sir, I promise to be smart from here on out. And he said, you're ordered to pay a fine for disturbing the peace, something like $500. 
and I never want to see your face again. And I said, yes, sir. Got out of there as fast as I could before he could change his mind. And I remember at that time thinking, I am so lucky. Church, we need to remember that when we think of judgment only as a negative, we're missing much of Scripture. We are missing what a judge can bring and what a judge can do. Now, sure, in my case, there was a fine, which at the time was no small thing. My mom was not one of these people who would just write a check. You know, I actually had to go back to manual labor to, you know, pay this bill. But, and there was other punishment from the school, and I got in all kinds of trouble. But the judge did not condemn me to death. There was punishment. There were consequences for my actions. But church, we need to understand something. When we say, when we, say we believe that Jesus is a judge, we are saying first that he is worthy to judge. Now we have judges in courtrooms, we have judges in our legal system, but we need to remember first and foremost that when the world is rejecting the truth of Jesus, like Timothy ta- or Paul talks about to Timothy, when the world is rejecting the truth of Jesus and the truth of God, we need to remember this God we believe in. The psalmist writes in Psalm 75 that no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down but he exalts another. We also need not fear. See, many people will think of judgment as something to fear. That at the end of life, we're going to have this long laundry list of things we've done. And we hope it's not so bad. If we only think about judgment as the end of life, we're also missing something. Because when Jesus in Scripture, many of us have read through the Gospels, When Jesus in Scripture comes in contact with death, I want you to think about this. When Jesus comes in contact with death, what happens? Good things. Whenever Jesus comes in contact with death and with evil in the New Testament, good things happen. People are risen from the dead. There is redemption. There is life. Think about the story of Lazarus. Martha, after Lazarus dies, runs out on the road to meet Jesus. And says, well, hey, do you believe that your brother can be risen from the dead? And Martha says, well, yes, I do believe in the end. And at the last days, my brother will rise with everyone else. And Jesus says, no. Do you believe that your resurrection, your brother's resurrection, is available to you now? Today? And then he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. See, church... When we think about these things, we know that resurrection is always happening. That when we come in contact with Christ, we are made alive. And in the same way, I want you to remember that so too, judgment is always happening. This is not something that we're just waiting on for the end. That in the kingdom of God, Jesus brings us before him and gives us these things for the sake of correction, for the sake of growth. So that you might become the person you were made to be, not the person who is stuck in your own sin and your transgressions. If we think about this, think about this for Jesus. We understand that Jesus went when he died. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about him descending to the place of the dead. We understand that Jesus died. Jesus went to be judged by God. 
And that when God saw him as righteous, the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead and that Jesus is now seated with God, as we read in the psalm today. And now this Jesus is our judge. But because of his sacrifice, we can go to him knowing that he does not desire from us death and destruction, knowing that he does not desire to condemn us, but to be a judge that brings freedom. We know that the judgment has taken place, that it fell on Christ. And so as God looks down on us, his children, he sees righteousness. As it was with John the Baptist and with Jesus, they said that this kingdom where we are made free is available here and now. But, but let me just be very clear that this does not mean we can go and do whatever we will, Right? This does not mean that we take this lightly. This does not mean that there's no punishment because all of us in this room know there are punishments for our actions. We all know there are consequences for the things we say and do. There is indeed judgment for sin. When I got in trouble, I was not kicked out of school, thankfully. (laughs) But I still had a lot of other things I had to do to make up for this. But like Lazarus, we must remember that we have already died. That according to Colossians 3, that we have already died and that we are raised and our life is hid with Christ. Consider what Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says in Ephesians 2, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This judgment, this purification, this sanctification we talk about in church all the time is happening here and now and it's nothing to be afraid of. For those who trust in Jesus, we have the same faith the Apostle Paul has that we can pour our lives out because we know that there is a reward at the end. And Christ is currently examining your heart. Christ is probing your heart to help you see where you need to grow. You know, last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about listening to God through the Spirit and connecting with God through the Spirit. One of the purposes of this is that Christ would reveal to you areas where he needs to judge you. Because he is the one who can. Christ desires to show you areas where you need him. Christ desires to show you the areas in your life where you need healing and forgiveness. Judgment is not something we should fear. It is something that corrects us and brings us to the path of true life. Remember, judges can set us free. Church, if we see judgment only as the final judgment, that there's going to be some catastrophic event we're just trying not to die in, we're missing scripture. I think Christ will judge at the end of the world. I think that's clear. Jesus talks a lot about judgment. But we can't go into this life just trying to keep our laundry list of sins short. If we try to repent of only big sins so we can make it into heaven? Or we try to keep our sins secret, thinking that maybe that'll help? It's not gonna work. 
Jesus says he is with us always. And not only that he is with us, but that all authority has been given to him. That means authority to judge you. To tell you how you need to grow. To show you where you need to confess. And this is why we come together in confession. This is why we come together in worship. To be reminded that when Jesus Christ judges us, that when we bow before him, the result is his love and his grace. So we gather, we do these things because true freedom, true freedom is only found in Christ. True freedom is only found when we have been redeemed, when we are made fully new inside. When we look back at the Psalm, Psalm 110 that we read earlier, David sees this as a dream and as a hope. I can't wait for this day. But when we look at our life now, we see that Christ has indeed conquered his enemies, hasn't he? Sure, there's still some work to be done. But on the cross, Christ conquered death. Our ultimate enemy that we fear, death, has been defeated. And Christ is seated in the judgment seat, judging us. So what does this mean? We go forward in the truth of scripture that we've just read that Christ desires us to be reconciled, that Christ through the cross has made you clean, that Christ has forgiven you, and that he desires that you have freedom. We must see his coming in the end of days, whenever that is, as good things, because it is then that we will have our reward. And like the Apostle Paul, we can have the faith that we can be sure. Because remember this, whenever in the Gospels, read through, in your own time this week, read through the Gospels. Whenever Jesus comes in contact with death, life springs forth. Whenever he comes in contact with death, life springs forth in the Gospels. And so the question we ask us, what does it mean when we say we believe this for our lives? Look at verses four, five, and six again. Do you turn away from the truth? Or do you turn towards the truth? Do you try to make the truth of the scriptures more palatable? Do you try to find loopholes so that we can still sort of believe whatever we want? Or do we turn towards the truth? And do you, church, do the work of an evangelist because you want other people to know this truth? Think about that. We rest as Christians in the freedom of grace and, and the gift of grace and forgiveness, but are we doing the work of an evangelist so that other people would know that freedom? <laughs> or are we just sending them into judgment unprepared? <laughs> Do we pour ourselves out as a drink offering for the sake of others? Do we stay sober-minded? Church, we don't have to fear this judgment. Christ tells us, and the Apostle Paul tells us over and over again, that if we believe that Christ is who he said he was, that we will be seen as righteous in the eyes of God. So then, IPC, in view of Scripture, and in view of our lives as the evidence, do you believe that Christ will judge the living and the dead? And what will your judgment be? And if that judgment is freedom then are you doing the work of an evangelist in teaching truth? Or are you turning away from the truth and believing in myths? Because I really truly believe that the judgment of Christ sets us free.
And it is the only thing that sets us free when we give him all we are. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for your judgment. Thank you for seeing Jesus Christ's sacrifice as righteous and for Christ willingly giving himself up for each of us. Lord, I pray that we would understand this judgment as corrective, as helpful, as something that leads us to the throne in worship. Lord, we know you are nothing to fear, that you are a good God and you desire for us, your children, good gifts. And so, Lord, when there is judgment, when there is punishment, when there is consequences for our actions, Father, we trust in you. We lean on our brothers and sisters in Christ for redemption and for help. And Lord, we desire to grow into the men and women you have called us to be as heirs to your kingdom. Where yes, Lord, there is judgment, but there is also life. And Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask for that life. We ask for the abundant life and the easy yoke that our Christ promised us. Lord, we believe you will come to judge both the living and the dead, and we celebrate that, knowing that it will make us free. And we pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.